The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good evening, Chris. Good evening, Mike. Uh, There are possibly two games left in the Stanley Cup Finals, and one of them is tonight. Uh, What do you think of the series so far? Uh... (laughs) I know I've said this to other people, and, and I don't – I didn't want to admit it on here, but I feel I have to be honest. I'm not as thoroughly engaged by this finals as I have been in years past. I Part of it – I think most of it is the teams that are involved. I, it's not that I dislike either teams. There's lots of talent on both teams. There's lots of players that I like on both teams. There's lots of players I'd love to see playing for my hometown team on both teams. Yep. But with all that being said, it's still not... I was engaged the other night because most of me wanted to see Dallas, in fact, all of me wanted to see Dallas win just to extend the hockey season. Because I don't want to be without hockey for three months. And isn't that a weird thing to say? I mean, none of us ever want hockey to end. But but my issue is not issue, but the idea behind it is that we're heading into the time where we should be having hockey. So it's going to be doubly weird. We had hockey when we normally don't. And then suddenly when I should have it, I'm not going to. Yes. And really quite obnoxious. But as far as as far as the series goes, I mean, it's certainly more competitive. It's as competitive now as I expected it would be. I mean, for for Tampa Bay to have jumped out three to one, my first question was, where is the Dallas team that dominated Vegas? Because I fully expected Vegas to be where they are. The way Vegas was playing, I didn't expect them to lose until possibly the cup final, depending on who they were going to play. And I didn't think they were going to lose that either, to be honest with you. You know, my question is, where is the Dallas team that beat up on And I don't know if they necessarily beat up physically on Vegas, but I mean, just the way they seem to have Vegas running around most of the time and Vegas wasn't playing their game. No, Vegas did not play their game. Um, What I will say after the last series, after the conference finals, I said actually before they even ended that Vegas had just plain run out of gas. And I think that Dallas is at low ebb. I don't think they're out of gas, as we witnessed in the last game by their overtime win. Um, I think that they're just appallingly slow starters at this point. Uh, I would love to believe that it was, you know, rope-a-dope and letting the other and letting the um, lightning just wear themselves out in the first 10, 15 minutes of the game. But it's too many games in a row. I mean, I think they had three shots, two shots in the first uh, period in the last game. And then in the first overtime, they had one shot in 20 minutes, one shot and still, but they still came out with the win. Mm-hmm. Um, and in theory, that's all that's important, but they don't, you're absolutely right that they don't look like the same team. On the other hand, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that they're going about it wrong. Um, the most recent game, 
they won, even though they got appallingly hosed in a couple of calls. <laughs> like appallingly hosed. That was two games ago, and that one was ho- that one was bad. No, and no, was last like, last game they got hosed on one or, on one call. There was the game before. Call, don't remember it. The yeah. game before where the referee is screaming that I believe it was Corey Perry kicked the legs out from under uh, the under uh, the Tampa player where nothing even remotely resembling that actually occurred. That was some high grade uh, post digestion uh, feed uh, of the bovine variety because literally nothing even close to that happened. And maybe, maybe the official had been indulging in some recreationals because I don't in any way understand how that could have come out of what physically took place on the ice. Um, I don't love this series for anything other than the fact that uh, it's my, like my firm belief is the best thing for the league right now is for teams that have not won the Stanley cup recently. And I would, I would say 10 to 15 years is probably recent. Um, I would call maybe even, you could probably even go as far as 20, but 10 to 15 years, um, is that for teams that have not won at least that long to be the ones winning. I think it brings excitement at the NHL level and down to, you know, the kids just learning to skate and play uh, to that region. Dallas hasn't won it since what, 1999, 2000? Yes. I mean, you're talking an entire generation of hockey fans. Tampa Bay hasn't won it since 04? Yeah. So we're, we're talking 15 to 20 years. And I, that's the part of me that thinks this is a good thing because we don't have Pittsburgh versus Washington. LA or Chicago. Pittsburgh versus Chicago. We don't have uh, – who else has been in it? The Capitals versus LA. Yeah. You know, it, it, we're not rehashing something that happened – you know, two years ago, three years ago, five years ago. So, yes, from that standpoint, I do like it. I and think I think even from a league standpoint, purely on the revenue front, every one of us knows at least five of those bandwagon fans who will buy the gear of whatever the biggest star is on whoever the champion is, whether they understand the sport or not, whether they lots saw of five minutes the game. You're saying lots of, uh, well, depending on which way you go, either lots of Headman jerseys or lots of uh, Kiviranta jerseys. Hudobin, yeah, there's going to be jersey sales. It will peak jersey sales for guys who are barely recognized in their own community in, around the rest of the league. Yeah, It absolutely I will. I agree with that. And, yes, the, the financial – aspect of it has to you have to consider that when you when you're talking about this uh, they haven't had a whole lot of time on the ice they they've done a really good job uh, all the testing that they've done and to have zero positives yes I mean, which that which is I, I i think you have to commend the players and coaches um for their dedication to not screwing it up 
And as um, much as nobody wants to give credit to the league, I think you have to give the league a little credit here too. They they set this all up. They didn't start until they were ready to start because originally it was going to be like second week of July. Then it got moved back a week. Then okay, we're going to start. We're going to make sure that we start the playoffs by the first week of August. And but they made sure that they were ready and that they weren't jumping the gun. They did. The league did its part. Um, at least as far as the anti-disease uh, front, um, there's that. Uh, there's an ESPN article um, that details uh, what we could gently call uh, some of the shortfalls of their. Uh, it was an interesting read when you sent it to me. I didn't get a chance to read it thoroughly the first day, but having skimmed it and finally having read it a little bit more in depth, there are some beliefs that I myself and I'm sure other hockey fans have had about what's going on in these bubbles. Uh, and this and, is an Emily Kaplan and Greg Wyshynski, uh article. Um, yeah, I mean, the players, there's, if you read the article, which is dated uh, the 22nd, um, the players absolutely give credit to the league in a sort of aggressively neutral at best fashion. Um, I mean, one quote that's said uh, a couple of times in various ways is I almost felt too secure. Um, another player referred to the courtyard as the prison yard. Um, <laughs> and that's in the legitimately more positive half of the article um when they get start, down i was gonna say when they start getting into uh things that were not as advertised uh they start talking about how they were sold a bill of goods uh that they were gonna have chances to go out and go on excursions and they there was chances to go play golf and go fly fishing yep. although from the sounds of it the fly fishing thing was just because they put a fly fisherman on the cover of the uh the pamphlet i don't know that they actually they said they were going to go fly fishing <laughs> um but you know and then there's the fact that not all the teams had even the same sort of facilities um it details in the article that like the florida panthers didn't really have a room that had exterior space uh, without having to go into sh into space that was shared by all of the teams uh, in the Eastern Conference. There's, I I have to agree with the what appears to be the prevailing sentiment among the players that they, uh, as you put it uh, before the show, Chris, they were oversold and underdelivered, which yes tends to leave a bad taste in your mouth and as good as the league relations appeared to be heading into the bubble what with the with the uh cba extension i think this is one of those things that could come back to bite the league the next time the negotiations come around <laughs> negotiations are another topic altogether uh oh absolutely but i mean yes there it, are there's a decent percentage of the players who are going to be out of the league by the time the current CBA is up in six or seven years. Well, they that, did extend, they did, they did a six year extension back before the, 
the yes. summer the summer hockey window. Maybe that's going to be maybe maybe that's something Batman should look into. TV when we were growing up, television had the TV season and it ran from September to April, and every six or eight weeks they had a week off and they ran reruns. Now a lot of the TV shows run from October to December, take all of January off, and then run. So they have a, a fall finale and a spring finale, or they run winter and summer. Oh maybe yeah, the, and it's maybe like, hockey should do something like that. They could have like two separate seasons. <laughs> you know, yes, it, I'm I, being, I, I'm being. Uh, I've been told that I'm sarcastic. I don't know what sarcasm is. Honestly, and I don't think you do. I don't think you do either. I, we've talked about this before, but honestly, that might actually be a reasonable solution. If you take instead of having the thirty soon to be thirty two teams, if you play a bunch of neutral site games with all of the guys coming in off of injured reserve, all of the guys looking to earn a spot for the next season, mm-hmm. you can probably get eight or twelve squads put together. And just rotate them around for like round robin tournaments in cities, and maybe maybe those teams only maybe those collectives only play twelve or fifteen games, but you're giving you're giving uh, league sponsors or potentially new sponsors a chance to sponsor a squad for that six week period or four week period, however long you want to put it together for which i know is completely insane but i was i was was half kidding now i'm trying to wrap my head around it Uh (laughs) uh-oh because realistically one of the biggest things for guys coming back from rehab is that they haven't played at game speed you know a guy who hasn't played in the nhl at nhl game speed in a year or year and a half is at a severe disadvantage uh, to a guy, you know, who's who was healthy the last two years straight and played 158 of the 162 games, 164 games. Um, in theory, in theory, you could also take some of the kids who are overagers and mix them into it mix them into there and allow players and allow the league a supplementary draft uh, out of those players. Once everything's concluded. Okay. Just enough to round up the squad for, for those guys. Hmm. So some years you might only have 12 or 15 overagers spread out over the eight to 12 teams. Some years you might have 25 of them. And somewhere Gary Batman is making that head implosion thing. Uh, like No, somewhere if, if mind blown. Gary Batman being having come up as a lawyer is probably thinking, Oh my god, this is terrible. Mm-hmm. Um and this man should stop doing drugs. That's another possibility. And speaking of, that was actually one of the things that was mentioned in this article. And we talked about this pre show just a few minutes ago. Uh, they talk about drinking and the players have said that the players that they talked to in this article and, and it was all done under the 
veil of anonymity. Oh, yeah. Um, There's not a single player name mentioned in the entire article. Which there is are, but they're not the unusual. people. There are names, but they're not the people that were interviewed for the article. <laughs> yeah. They were using them like as a quote, like, hey, Austin Matthews didn't wear a mask. Now I don't have to. They were talking about, you know, how the security was tight regarding uh, safety and, and mask wearing and what kids might do if they saw Austin Matthews not wearing a mask. It's not like Austin Matthews had anything to do with the article. He may have, we don't know. No, but the whole, the, the whole sex and drugs thing and it, and it, and the guys brought it up in the article. I mean, it says that there was a sky bar, at hotel X in Toronto for the Toronto, uh, for the Toronto bubble. And the 10 to 15 guys could be seen up in the sky bar and they were having a drink here, drink there. But none of them were overdoing it. They weren't doing it to party. Uh, And yes, this is the part we talked about pre-show. There was actually cannabis gummies there. Yeah, it's legal in Canada. has been for two years. Thank you. I was kind of lobbing up that softball, yeah. I wasn't aware that it was legal. And my first reaction was that Maybe they shouldn't mention that in the article, but maybe they should. I mean, it, 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 we're ultimately we're still talking about human beings here. We're talking about guys. They and as far as the article explains, they weren't using it for the social interaction, the social reaction. They weren't doing it to get high, quote unquote. They were using it actually as a way it helped them fall asleep. So if Rather than falling asleep after a, a game that ended at midnight, oh, instead yeah. of waiting until four in the morning to finally come down off of your adrenaline high, especially where there were no tra- where there's not a lot of travel, which tends to lull people to sleep, just knowing they physically can't go anywhere. Uh, but one of the things that is mentioned elsewhere in the article is that there were guys who were going four or five days without going outside or getting any sunlight. And both of those things will mess with your sleep cycle in a hurry. Um, I'm legitimately surprised uh, that we didn't see more uh, players opting out. Um, And I think I, I genuinely think that this is part of why we saw so much physicality late into the into the playoffs. Uh, most years, the first round is ridiculously physical, and then it ramps down to similar level to the middle of the season or lower. By the time you get to the Stanley Cup final, depending on which teams are there, it will bounce up and down a little bit, and this year has been incredibly physical, um, and I think the lack of travel has a lot to do with that. Um, but I think that that need to do something for people who are active every day of their lives, essentially, mm-hmm. who have suddenly been trapped in the bubble for two months or more, uh, has absolutely contributed to what we're seeing for the hit total counts. And there were a couple of games that, you know, in this in the Stanley Cup finals where it was over 100 hits in a game and that's if not unprecedented certainly very very rare since you know the 2005 revamp of the league with that full season lockout 
I I I think that the not getting outside I mean outside of the fact that you're not getting your daily dose of vitamin D but I mean just from a from a personal standpoint it messes with me when the building that I happen to work in for my real job as much as I'd love to say this is my real job I wish it were it would be unbelievably enjoyable but my real job I work in the building I work in I'm not really near any windows and to go into work when it's dark especially in the winter time and then to come out of work and it's dark it it messes it it messes with my cycle it's like okay I or when I come in and it's the sun's starting to come up and and whatnot because I don't see the day's progression throughout the day through a window it completely throws me off. It's like, okay, it doesn't feel like I've been at work for eight hours. It feels like I've been at work for 12 hours because I started dark, it ended dark. And then when I get home, I feel like it should be, say, 7 o'clock and it's 9 o'clock type of thing. It, yeah. It, and that's it's just not a simple thing for me. I mean, for them to be in and out of buildings and, and to be secure in that bubble and, and not getting out for four or five days, my goodness. I, I can't. Uh, I don't know. I mean, at some point, you got to do something just to get yourself reset. I mean, and I really do wonder how it affected teams like, say, the St. Louis Blues or the Boston Bruins, uh, who we know are guys that are, you know, I mean, look at Zdeno Chara uh, as an example. Mm-hmm. He's not the only physical fitness freak in the league, or certainly even in the Boston Bruins. But this is a guy who is well known for biking all over Boston year round he's also known for even though even even at his late 30s early 40s still being the team champion at at like pull-ups i mean this guy is doing 35 37 pull-ups in front of you know the team if if you watch the zdeno chara at a thousand or whatever that show was and Mm -hmm. this guy is just i mean he's a, a he's a legitimate freak and it's gorgeous to watch I mean, it's an, it's got to be intimidating for a lot of people. Um, I I just find it, uh, it's just, for me, it's awesome. <laughs> you can't watch him as a hockey fan and not appreciate the dedication uh, it takes to maintain that. You just can't. No, when you're, no. when you're talking about a raw physical task, like pulling your entire body weight up, which is no easy feat, even when you're at the peak of fitness somewhere, depending on who you are, somewhere between 15 and 25, to be still able to do that at a better pace than those people at the peak of physical fitness is literally ridiculous. Yeah. And and I don't know. I mean, I know I made the comment back when the Bruins were playing. Zdeno Chara did look a little slow this postseason. Uh, this was not know. a good year for him. I was going to say, I don't know if it's a personal thing or if Father Time, unfortunately, who has a perfect record, uh, I don't know if Father Time is catching up to him. Uh, he still has not signed another deal for this upcoming season. And he's not the only one. I mean, you look at uh, this, the what we've been speculating about Tory Krug for, at this point, eight months. Months, you know, going back to January, I fully expected him 
to be signed during the All-Star break um, because that only made sense. Shall I tell you what the, since you brought up Tory Krug's name, shall I tell you what the latest deal was that was offered to him by the Bruins? Reportedly? Uh, should I be sitting down, laying down, or hugging the porcelain god for this one? Uh, possibly all three. They did give him a, a long, and it's reported, and I read it from, from Ty Anderson. We both know Ty. He writes for 98.5, uh, the sports hub here in Boston. Or, and But reportedly, according to him, they did offer him six years. Ooh. So longer than, I, I mean... You told me you told me before that they weren't going to go beyond five. They did a reportedly they offered him six, but the dollars six and a half million per thirty nine million dollar contract. And again, one and a quarter million dollar raise per year from what he's currently making. So porcelain god. Um, and I say that, and I say that objectively. I met Tory Krug. In the year that he was signed uh, out of college Mm -hmm. in the locker room, I don't know if you remember the conversation I do when I came out of that locker room. I looked at you and said, they're probably going to send him to the AHL next year, but whenever he hits the NHL, he's never going back. He's never going back to the AHL. Dude is stupidly fit. He's not just a hockey smart guy. He's in general a smart guy. He's got top shelf communication skills. It will in no way surprise me if he becomes a coach or a general manager um, when he's uh, finished with his playing career. And he's been one of the top 10 point producing defensemen in the NHL pretty much his entire career and you're offering him less than a lot of guys who barely break into the top 50 for salary. Clearly you either don't want him, can't do math or possibly at the most generous, most most generous to Sweeney and Neely and company answer maybe one or more of the Jacobs family has said, no, we're not paying any more than that. I, I, and I don't understand it. And they, somebody, and I, 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 I've read multiple articles on Tory Krug, so they're all kind of jamming together in my head. But one article that apparently he was, Tory Krug was asked if he would take a one year deal at short money, to establish to reestablish himself and he and he just said no that i i can't i'm not going to do that i can't see myself doing that uh i've worked too hard to get where i am i know what my value is and i'm playing my abilities are at their peak uh, i'm in, I, you know i'm in the prime this is when i need to secure myself or get security for myself i mean there you is turn around, you offer him six and a half mil. The top, the top defensemen in the NHL are getting minimum of eight, if not close to double digits, or in some cases double digits. 
Uh, I normally I am a balanced guy. I don't 100% back the player. I very rarely 100% back the team. Uh, it's almost never that I enthusiastically back the league. But this is utterly ridiculous for the team offer to be where it is. Utterly ridiculous. There is no universe where you should expect this man to sign for even if you gave him the seven or eight year maximum below 7.5 below like 7.5 is an absolute minimum for a full eight year contract. Now, do we expect him to play at peak until he's 38 years old? Statistically, uh, it's unlikely. Bearing witness to this dude's physical fitness, uh, it's not outside question. It really only comes down to, can he stay healthy? And to date, he hasn't really had any of the major motor injuries that tend to end careers. He hasn't blown out a knee and needed surgery. He hasn't blown out a hip and needed surgery. Um, he's, he's been remarkably healthy and it's not like he shies away from the physical play or somehow guys are letting up on him or he gets the referee protection that certain guys in Pittsburgh and I don't know, uh, Edmonton perhaps get. I just, I, I, as a Bruins fan, because that's where I live, I don't want to see him go. As a hockey fan, or as a fan of the game, as a fan of the sport, as somebody who thinks things through logically, I don't want to see the Bruins lose him and get nothing for him. Now, as you quick, as you explained to me pre-show, they're not trading for him, they're trading for the rights to negotiate exclusively with him for those first four days. Well, it's if they, assuming they traded him today, Monday, the, uh, on Monday, the 28th, they would be trading him for essentially 10 days of negotiating rights. That's it. And while that's useful, highly useful, even, uh, especially for a team that's prepared to put on the full court press, although full court press under these restrictions might not be as dazzling as in years past. Uh, um, I wouldn't like it, but almost anything is better than letting him go for nothing. I agree. And that's what I said. Almost um, anything. From from a head standpoint, that makes sense. I mean, from a heart standpoint, I don't want to see him go. But from a yes, from from a head standpoint, yes, I don't want to see him let go for nothing. And apparently, there are four teams that are that have kind of jumped out into the sweepstakes. Uh, the 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 leaders in the Tory Krug negotiating rights sweepstakes. Yes, uh, you've got Florida Panthers. Who apparently are really pushing hard. You that uh, makes no sense to me. Yeah, I, I I thought the same thing. Is they what have are we, almost essential. They have almost exclusively offensive defensemen. 
And while Tory Krug is not nearly as bad defensively as some people would make him out to be, he doesn't give them anything they don't already have. He gives them better than what they already have in that area. So it would be an upgrade, but they're going to move. They're going to have to move someone or some ones out in order to a make a roster spot and b uh, salary. Uh, you know, there's the salary component too, which is less of a concern there, but um, it just doesn't make sense to me. That's not what their greatest lack is. Who's the next team? Uh, <laughs> you got Florida Panthers. You've got, Oh, the Detroit Red Wings. Meh. I, I not sure. I, I, I mean, I get that one because well, Detroit needs all the help it can get at this point. They're essentially a bare cabinet. Anything you put into it is going to improve it. But in a way, in a way, uh, to, in a way to compress the show and inject other opinions, though, uh, Eiserman did just make a trade for a defenseman. He just acquired um, Mark Stahl from the Rangers and a second-round draft pick in 2021 for future considerations. Yes, the back-breaking future considerations. Which, wh- wh- the worry there is that <laughs> Mark Stahl is like, I just got traded for nothing. <laughs> You know, you didn't I, want anything back from me. Seriously. See, I think that that's probably only going to push Mark Stahl to be to go at this offseason a little more aggressively because I thought he looked solid all throughout the regular season before the pause. And I won't be surprised if he turns in a better than expected season on that <clears throat> not quite league average Red Wings team. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you read the article that I, that I found, Eisenman explains why they made the deal because they're, they're not only building, they're not, they're, they're building for the future. He's building for, he knows they're not going to be ready this coming season or probably the season after they're building the to after. get better in the future, but they still have to put, a team they still have to feel the team on the ice now yes so you bring in and a player who's ice ready who's game ready and you've got a 2021 second round pick i mean the number of picks they have over the next three seasons is yeah a lot it's pretty i high. don't have a number yeah but a but, lot um the other thing that i i suspect the Eiserman uh ascribes to that i know both of us do is well, Stahl isn't spectacular as a defenseman. Uh, um, he's never going to win a Norris. hasn't won one to date. Um, he's a very solid defenseman who understands what needs to be done in both zones or mm-hmm. in both halves of the ice. And that allows him to be an on-ice mentor to, uh, to the young players who will arrive in the system over the next year or two. Agreed. So the next two teams, and I'm I, I'm doing this specifically for moving East Coast to West Coast. So third team, Colorado Avalanche. Again, makes Kale no McCarr, damn sense. Kale McCarr, Sam Gerard, uh, Sam Gerard. Uh, is that name Samuel? Uh, yes. Regardless. Uh, I could see that they, you know, you fit him in and and quarterback to power play and then you got Kale McCarr who can quarterback 
either the first or the second unit, most likely the second if you bring in a Tory Krug. But again, like you said, for floor, too many offensive defensemen. Yeah. And and the lot. I mean, when you're talking Makar and Krug, you're talking about guys who are slightly below league average in size. Well, Makar small. Makar's not small, but he he's I thought he was, he's I thought on he was the six. He's on the shady side of average. Okay. For some reason I thought he was over six, but okay. He may be over six, but I mean the average is like six one and two oh five or something like that. Oh, all right. Well, the last team and uh, arguably I would enjoy watching this team even more if he went there than I already enjoy watching them now is Vegas Golden Knights. That makes sense. Like I can legitimately How see that. How much more fun would they be with Tory Krug? They've already got Shea Theodore. Nate Schmidt is is really good. Zach Whitecloud, I'm starting to like him. Oh wait. I've probably been saying that for about a month and a half now. Um, <laughs> it, it, the the defensive core on that team you got no Makar is five eleven one eighty seven so oh, wow. not not a big boy. Oh wow, okay. I I learned something new. Love it. Learn something new every day. But if you add Krug to shake Krug, Theodore, Nate Schmidt, Zach Whitecloud, you've got you still got Braden Mc you still got uh, Braden McNabb. Got a McNabb. formidable top four. <laughs> a very formidable top four. And I, I think I'm kind of I'm kind of rooting if he's going to go somewhere that he goes to <laughs> Vegas. I'm. <laughs> From a purely push, uh, from a that is one that makes the most sense. Like they don't have a great or even an above average power play quarterback. As a hockey fan, yeah, and he was getting there. He's yeah. I don't think he's as good as Krug at quarterback no. power play, but he's getting there. You're a hockey fan. I will watch the bleepity bleepity bleep out of that every day of the week. I, yeah. And again, like I said, I, I enjoy watching Vegas anyway. It, since they've come in the league, they've been enjoyable to watch. They've been fun. You watch the raucous crowds. And yes, I would love to see us get crowds back in the stands. I know we're a ways from that still, but and, and the place was always jumping. And granted, they're new. It's the new toy. I get it. But they've been around. They're setting a precedent that, you know, this team is always. And I don't know if it's something that they consider. I know they considered it with Ray Bork, but to trade Tory Krug to a team that is a contender, perennial contender, as opposed to sending him to a Florida Panthers team, does that I want to weigh like on the, the Florida market? Panthers? I really want to like the Florida Panthers. Why? But watching the product that they put on the ice every year, no, nope, can't do it. Just can't. Should we have a gif? Should we have a gif, gif, whatever you want to call it, of a dumpster fire at this point? I wouldn't necessarily. I mean, dumpster fire may be a little bit too strong, but it's certainly one of those. It certainly reminds me of that I Love Lucy episode my mother loved of the uh, Vita Vita Vegemin, where they have a good thing, a semi-useful thing, mm-hmm. and then they go all in on that one thing. And completely ignore everything else. Like, 
that team is all in on offense, but because they can't defend and get the puck out of their own bleeding zone, it's bad. Which you'd think people who have spent more time devoting their lives to hockey than myself would figure out. Which is why I really probably should have put my name in for general manager when the opening was available. <laughs> I thought you said you did, so clearly. Well, yeah, I, I, I mentioned it on Twitter. I mean, that's practically the same thing, right? Yeah, when it comes to Florida, sure. I just I, I don't know if it's something that weighs. I don't know if it's something that enters in. I'm sure the consideration of having him go to a West Conference, Western Conference team that you're not going to see him as much would weigh would be a bigger factor than whether he has goes to a team that is a contender or not. But I just think that he would be really fun to watch in that on that Vegas team. Oh, absolutely, and he he would enjoy the life out of playing there. He's not necessarily a Brad Marchand where he lives for the adoration and hate of the crowd. But that's a crowd that if you can't enjoy playing in front of them, uh, yeah, you you just need to hang them up. (laughs) I mean, I don't like crowds and I would probably have fun playing there. (laughs) Now, the other guy who we're going to be talking about for as long as free agency lasts, or at least until he signed, that is rumored uh, that is rumored uh, to be connected to the Vegas Golden Knights is, of course, Alex Petrangelo. If the Blues can't manage to re-sign him by August 9th, uh, October 9th, he's gone. Some team will put a ring on that uh We'll like it enough to put a ring on that finger. There's just no way to August 12th without being signed. Well, the Golden Knights did make a small move today. They sent Brandon Peary to Chicago Blackhawks for a local product played at Northeastern, Dylan Sakura. It did. I don't think he was... Go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to say, I don't know how much opportunity he was given in Chicago. Not I know nearly he played enough. Maybe a, maybe a dozen and a half games at, at the most with the Blackhawks. Uh, and I don't think I don't, he got into any of their bubble games, um, which admittedly was a short period of time. But uh, I don't think he got into even one of them, which if were if that were me. I would absolutely be saying, okay, if you're not playing me in this tightly packed of a schedule, you don't want me. I agree that Dylan Sakura with only 40 something games in Chicago. Yeah, he had 47 games. He had one whole goal, 13 assists, three seasons with them. Uh, It wasn't really going to get used there, I don't think. Didn't fit in. I don't know. It's tough to evaluate in that small capsule. But. As I was as I was going to say when you mentioned Petrangelo, I don't think that this deal is going to have any financial impact as far as allowing Vegas to go after Petrangelo. No, this is this is trading players for, I guess, uh, things that you see or don't see in their game. It's not a money deal. 
No, no, it's it's not a money deal. There's no there's no picks. There's no nothing involved. I, I, player for player, I think that I don't know. Chicago just wanted to get a little bigger. <laughs> Brandon Perry is not the biggest guy in the league, but he's bigger than Dylan Sakura, which is not really a high bar. Um, I uh, I'm gonna be curious how this how this plays out over their career. Um, or even just the next two years, honestly. Um, they're about the same age. I mean, Peary is... Yes. Peary, or actually, no, Brandon Peary is a lot older. He's 29. Oh, um, wow. Sakura is, what, 24, 25? Uh, 25. Yeah, that sounds about right. He's been out of the league. He's been out of college a few years now, so... Um, but on Obviously, that's one of the two uh, free agent names this offseason. Um, wherever he lands, it's going to be big. It's going to be impactful. And I think that for Vegas, if they it would be useful. Um, it would be a complete waste or or bottom feeders to sign him like Anaheim, Los Angeles. It's not going to move the needle far enough. No, it's not. Uh, Vancouver could somehow manage to sneak him onto their roster. That would be huge given what they did already. Uh, I also don't see that happen. Like the Bruins, uh, in my opinion, like the Bruins not wanting to, see crew go to an Eastern conference team. I can't imagine St. Louis would want to see Petrangelo go to a Western conference team. No, I, I mean, it, 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 revisiting the player that got away. I don't know. I don't know how much, how enjoyable that would be. It's it. We got two huge defensive free agents and, and I know that there are other free agents, but in my mind, these two are the two biggest, at least on the defensive side of the of the ice. These are your two biggest uh, prizes that are available. Absolutely. Like, it's these two, whichever way you want to rank them, I don't care. Whichever, um, with a small gap between them, and if you're going to tell me you think the gap is huge, uh, I'm willing to listen for the entertainment for entertainment purposes, but uh, and then every other defenseman is the next best defenseman in this uh, in this free agent class. Can't do it. No. Um, yeah, I don't see how I, I, I don't see anything in some way good for the expectations that we'll end up seeing a lot out in two years, not because, uh, not as good as they had been in the past, but because, you know, someone with too much cap money. Um, but if, if the Vegas Golden Knights can actually secure Alex Trangelo and add him to that roster, 
huge, has the potential to be the best free, free agent signing last Easily. Because realistically, I, I can't think of a free agent signing that I actually thought had as high a potential for impact. I mean, you and I looked at each other or at least talked to each other about the about Tavares going to wherever uh, before he actually left the island and he gets to Toronto and we're like, what is wrong with all of them? <laughs> yeah, I get that he wanted to play in his hometown and it's really super sweet and all, but does he actually want to win a cup too? Uh, I, I wonder, I would assume that every hockey player's dream is to some, at some point in your career, skate around carrying Lloyd Stanley. I, I can't imagine that a player gets into, gets into hockey just because it's good exercise. At least not the ones getting to the professional level. I mean, yes. Do you get your kid into it at a young age to give him something to do after school? And yeah, sure. But when they start showing promise and they get to, you know, higher grade school and high school level, and it looks like this could be more than just a passing fancy, they're dreaming of carrying Lord Stanley's cup around. They're not dreaming of just going to the NHL to get some exercise. Okay, I, I guess a better rephrase. I don't believe that he wants a cup more than he wanted to play at home. Because if he did, he wouldn't have gone to play at home. Mm. Unless he understands hockey and math not very well. I'm guessing that he would have wanted to do both. Unfortunately, the team that he went to is not capable of the second thing. Yeah. Because they spent oodles of money on him. They spent oodles of money on two other players. Yeah. Uh, Tavares and um, Marner. And Marner is Matthews. Yeah, Matthews by, by contribution under it. Uh, that was my opinion when the contract happened. Yes. Somehow I think that they got the numbers backwards and giving, I understand that Matthews puts the puck in the net, but you know what? Matthews doesn't put the puck in the net. If somebody isn't getting in the puck, unless he's carrying it down every single time by himself. And Marner seems to have, in my opinion, Marner has better, better ice vision. He Mm -hmm. plays better without the puck. He's he's a he's a better facilitator, better distributor. I think that the the fact that he and he was still close in points. What was it last year, the season before? I mean, they were still close in points. It wasn't like he was thirty points behind Matthews. I mean, nope. I, I somehow I think they got the numbers backwards, but that's another conversation. Oh, very much another conversation. <laughs> So Vegas not only has been successful, but is still trying to put themselves in a position to be even more successful. Uh, Nice work if you can get it. Uh, 
there was one retirement that was announced uh, and it, it, it small just happened to come across it while I was scanning for stories. Uh, Chris mm-hmm. Stewart, who was with the Flyers, believe it or not, yep, but only managed to appear in 16 games and only had one assist, no appearance in playoffs. Uh, he's called it a career. He's been around for 11 years. He's 32 years old. He's staying with the Flyers. He had a solid career. Not spectacular, but you yeah. don't play in any league for 11 years if you can't play. That's simple. He was a first. Uh, he's a former first round pick, 18th overall by the Avalanche back in 06. Uh, his career highs were in the 09-10 season with the Avalanche, where he had 28 goals and 36 assists for a total of 64 points for those who want me to do the math he spent his time with st louis buffalo minnesota anaheim calgary and the flyers so you're saying he kind of got around there's an argument to whether getting around means you're a good player a bad player i mean somebody wanted him all of those prestige chris prestige managed to visit what half the nhl team half the teams in the nhl it seems that way, yes. But managed to get himself a Stanley Cup and and get and helps Chicago win a Stanley Cup when he was there. I mean, he started out what he was drafted by the Bruins, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. I, so it's not always that you're moved around just because you're not necessarily a good player. It's it's a it's a. In some some cases, it becomes, uh, is it a good fit? Is it not a good fit? Do we need another physical guy, or do we need somebody who's like lightning Castle. quick and can score 80 goals in a season? <laughs> I wish him well. He, Like I said, he's sticking around with the Flyers anyway. They offered him a job. He's going to be a player development coach. Good for him. So he's not – it's not like he's going to go – he's not like he's going home sitting on the couch and, and eating a bag of Cheetos every day. He's He's got himself some work, and as much as we don't like A.V., Philadelphia's got themselves some pieces there. There's something to work with. That is definitely a team that is worth watching <laughs> over the next couple of years. Um, I mean maybe uh, maybe the – team will be lucky enough for aliens to abduct AV um, so that they can put a coach in who can actually make midseason and mid-game adjustments. Uh, but there's not really – there's not much negative you can say or not overwhelming negative you can say about about the roster and a good percentage of their of their prospects. And I mean, the quote here is the Flyers are excited to have Chris Stewart join our join our team in a hockey operations role after an excellent career in the NHL. Chuck Fletcher said, I've known Chris for a long time and have admired the way he plays the game, but also how he conducts himself off the ice as a true professional and leader in the locker room. He will be a valuable asset to help mentor our young players and shape their future as Flyers. You can't say anything nicer than that, to be to be quite honest, that he's 
a leader in the locker room and how he conducts himself off the ice. No. There's there's not much better you can get said about your about yourself as a person, not just as a hockey player. And I know that the NHL, possibly more than any other league, is littered with polite and flowery phrases when guys retire or when they uh, move into a front office role, um, whether it's from unemployment or another role or not. But you don't you don't even if you're a solid player, it's hard to stick around in the league if people don't like you. You don't get the additional chances. Period. And I mean, he's got teammates looking up to him. James Van Riensdyk and Scott Lawton uh, going to him for advice on on how to move forward in the wake of the whole boycotting situation that happened. I, I mean, when. Other teammates, and I'm not talking about young 18, 19, 20-year-olds. I'm talking about James Van Riemsdyk himself is mid-30s now. Scott Lawton, a little bit younger, maybe late 20s. And they're they're going to him asking him, you know, how do we handle this? What do we do? He's obviously somebody that the team has looked up to. And apparently – Respect, respect doesn't have it. Really doesn't have a a price that you can pay to get it. Uh, but without it, uh, everything costs more. It costs more effort. It costs more time to get people to do things your way, uh, and there, you really don't have time for that um, if you're a development coach because you may only have two years to get them moving in the right direction or into the NHL before your time with them uh, is done. And clearly he's earned that respect. And and his brother, Anthony Stewart also played in the NHL also was a number, was a first round draft pick. So it, it, it seems to run in the family. So, Congratulations on a on a on a on a really good career and lots of luck to Chris in his future endeavors as the player development coach for the Flyers. Exactly. I noticed that you quickly shot something up here. Uh, is this something that uh, we can discuss briefly, or is this something yeah, that? Yeah, it, it's a it's a brief story. Our friends over at the Black and Gold uh, pod, uh, Hockey Podcast, um, that's Lucas Mark's, Pearson. That's Mark, right? A, a Mar- that's Mark. That's Mark. Uh, Mark's show. Okay. But Lucas put up a story. Bruins who have probably played their last game. Uh, it's it includes Tory Krug. No brainer. We've discussed that enough. Zdeno yeah. Chara. I think he'll actually be back. But I think next season, win, loser, draw is going to be his last, uh, based on what I saw from him before the pause and after. Um, Fair enough. I'm, I'm actually thinking the same thing. I think that it, it, I think, and the more, the more it appears that Tory Krug is going, I think that they're more likely to give Zdeno another two million dollars, or two and a half million, whatever it is that they give him yeah. for another year. 
Um, it, it was, quite frankly, as an additional member, he's worth pretty much that as an additional member of the coaching staff, even if he never plays a shift. Fair enough. I, I don't have any arguments there. I mean, the hockey knowledge alone has got to be worth that. <laughs> well, it's not just how to play the game, but it's the the opponents. You know, their tendencies, um, both in sing, uh, as individuals in tandems, that's a huge, huge thing that a lot of people just don't notice about hockey um, is how good defensemen counter those tendencies. Uh, but Joachim Nordstrom is the biggest surprise on this list to me. Um, really? I think that he's as highly valuable as a guy who plays fourth line minutes can be. Um, I don't think he's necessarily the most valuable guy on that fourth line, but I think that he's certainly the type of guy most teams would try and keep around if they could. The, I mean, and it, and it's, it says here in the story, and I completely agree, the man throws his body around like... Uh, oh, he was, he's handling the most ha- active hitter on the team. Well, hitter and just in blocking shots. I mean, he, he's... Oh yeah, he's out there to play. He might he might go weeks without scoring a game a goal, but he probably saves eight or ten goals in that time. There are a couple of names up next that I think you and I agree uh, not long for the Boston Bruins organization. Nick Ritchie, um, despite the minor typo in the article, uh, yeah, I'm. I will not be surprised if he's not in Boston when they resume play. I just um, I feel with Nick Ritchie, and I said it at the time that it happened. Nick Ritchie was Don Sweeney saw that all the top teams were making multiple deals, and he had only made the one deal for Kasha. And I just somehow in the for me it it screamed of I've got to do something else. I haven't done enough. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, Nick Ritchie ended up being a Bruin. Um, John Moore, I, I Hi. fully believe as, as does uh, the gentleman who sent this uh, to me. Um, someone I used to, I know pretty well, Eric Dolan, you can follow him on Twitter. Um, that John Moore is still going to be play or still going to be a member of the Bruins organization. When the season opens, I firmly believe that he is there to be exposed for the expansion draft. And that's about it. Not that they haven't had enough injuries to put him on the ice. Um, but no. But when you're paying guy, when you're paying a guy two and three quarter million dollars and he does more time sitting on his butt than he does skating on the ice. That's a problem. I, I, I didn't say I wanted to see him in black and gold next season. I said I expected to see him in black and gold next and season. And it may it makes sense when it comes to the dra- when it comes to that expansion draft. It, it makes sense. I I get it. But yeah, I don't like seeing three million dollars sitting on the ninth ring. Uh, now he has Tuka Rask in this list and says that he doesn't actually expect Rask to be traded. I think that's more of a goalie market issue or focus than 
than a Tuka Rask issue. Because I, if I were the general manager, I would want to trade him with all of the uncertainty surrounding COVID. Uh, that's going to hang like a, like Mr. T's necklaces around Tuka's neck for the rest of his days. Uh huh. The fact that he left the bubble, I said at the time, there's no upside for him except for the fact that he was home with his family. Hockey wise, there's no upside for him. It's either going to be his fault because he left or if the Bruins had made it to the final, then you turn around and say, what are we panicking over Rask for? There was no hockey upside for him. No, really, there wasn't. And we discussed it for probably 12, 15 minutes on the show afterwards and probably a couple of minutes the show after that. Yeah. But no upside. And while there are people like yourself and me who don't necessarily believe that he's an elite goaltender and there are people who will defend everything that he does until the heat death of the universe. There's a lot more people somewhere in the middle. He lost some of that middle ground and I think that lowers his chances of having his number in the Raptors in 10 years. Interesting. That's me. No, I, I, I can see that. My opinion on him this year is that they, they gave, yeah, they gave Halak the extension so that they could have both of them for one more year. Rask seems to play better when he plays less. And I'm not talking about min I'm not talking about ice time. I'm talking about controlling his games played. Oh, 100%. And I think he also needs a competitive crease partner. Yes, like if you put, put a guy in his first year out of college as the number 2, he's going to try and do too much. He's going to talk his way into 70 games a season or 68 games a season. And that's beyond his physical endurance period, period. I think him being able to have a night out of the crease and actually have it be a night off and not be an anxiety filled, uh, torture session on the bench, um, is, is a very, very big part of his recent success. It's, it comes down to not only is it the physical that he's being saved from, like I said, less games per season, but it's the mental aspect of it too. Yes. He can sit there and just watch what's going on. He can sit there and not stress over whether he's going to have to come in in the second period to take over from a a losing standpoint. It's just that full body shutdown for a for a day. Give me that extra day off. I, yeah. I think that he's going to be around. If they are going to deal him, I don't think it's going to be before the season starts. I think that's I think that's one of those somewhere between Christmas and the trade deadline deals. But there's so many. Or maybe Thanksgiving and the trade deadline deals. Although this year, if the season start, doesn't start till January, that basically means March to early April. Uh, Mid-April. 
Uh, I mean, depending on how they want to squeeze everything in, I mean, I mean, theoretically or the normal season normally starts the first week of October. Uh, So you have October, November, December, January, February, and the uh, the draft is or the expand or the all star game and. And trade deadline have been somewhere between February and March. So you're looking four months in. Yeah, you're looking the end of April. Uh, for a for a trade deadline uh, for next season. The thing is, if they're going to and, and this is probably something we could get into more on the next show. But if they're going to start later, as Batman has said, that the, now it's looking like after the beginning of the year, but he still wants to play an 82 game schedule. Unless, unless you're going to still string it out for six, seven months. Then you're going to have to reevaluate where the trade deadline fits in because now you've truncated the schedule from January to April or January to May. You can't have the trade deadline being in April with only 10 games left in the season. You're going to have to move it back to mid-March or early March or something. Oh, yeah. You truncate the season. That's one thing. But if you're going to play the 82, I really can't see the trade deadline being before middle of March or even the first week of April. And, and but it, uh, if they're playing three games a week, that's about what they play anyways. Um, you, you're going to have to push okay, it. Okay, so you to squeeze four into four games a week. If you're, you're playing, playing four games a week, that's a lot. I mean, I mean, you're playing every other night basically from January than. until the end of the season. More than I mean, you would play forty games in ten weeks, which. I mean, in a normal season, that's closer to 15 weeks to get that far. 40 games in 10 weeks. That's two and a half months. Wow. Yeah, that's. uh, That's you're going to see. The pipeline from the AHL to the NHL is going to be wide open. As much as these guys are fit and not and Zdeno Chara aside, just take any number of players and anybody in the NHL, these guys are, are fit machines. They, you know, they work out, they get themselves ready. You're still going to see a boatload of injuries. You start playing. That's that a pace that's going to shorten careers flat out. It's going to shorten careers. And yeah, I, it, that's going to be a tough one that I, I don't envy Batman on this one. I, I don't think you can compress the season that far unless you're going to build in. I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to sit down and actually look at it and do the math. Um, maybe you compress the first two thirds of it. You know, you get those first 60 games in and then okay. you drop the pace a little bit down to down for the last 22. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you if you toss out 82 games in 20 weeks when the <laughs> normal schedule is what 35, yeah, you're gonna break people, like legitimately break people, and the people at the low end and the high end of the age uh, brackets for the league are the ones who are going to suffer the most. There's you know those 18, so many, 19, 20 year olds. There's so many changes they'd have to make to. To, to rules, whether they're in the CBA or whatever, 
as to players player movement up and down from AHL to NHL and and what oh, we'll talk about this next week because yeah, I have a couple is, of ideas of how to do it without completely breaking everyone but it's still going to hurt a lot of people um remind me after the show or sometime this week and i will write them down if anyone has ideas obviously tweet us um you can find me at puck sage you can find me at the opwing and you can find us anywhere uh good podcasts are found each and every week so please share us uh with all of your friends uh, ladies and gentlemen, have an awesome week. Enjoy the Stanley Cup Finals, and we'll be back before uh, free agency starts uh, to talk more puck. Take care.